Outlook Podcast. Who are you at the Outlook Podcast? Just as good for you. We're talking to cool people. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Outlook Industries Podcast. Not the crutches. We are back here with another episode for you guys. I'm your host, Trevor Johnson, and we are currently with Talon. How are you doing, Talon? I'm doing great, Trevor. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm really glad that I finally got a space to be able to do these podcasts again, and I'm super excited to have you on the show. It'll be super exciting. I know you're a really opinionated guy and have a lot of cool backstory, so uh, let's kind of get into that. Where did you grow up? When did you start scootering? Kind of like what kind of got you into scootering, I guess, is the first thing that I have for you. Well, let's see. Um, I grew up in Owasso, Michigan, and I started scootering at the age of 10, which is around like 2005 at that point. And then um, what really got me into it was I just picked up my neighbor's scooter and he had like a crack in the sidewalk and I was trying to like bunny hop over it. And it was a challenge right from there just just to get that first bunny hop. And then after like an hour of messing with it and I finally got it, I was pretty much hooked from there. And uh, I rode his scooter for like two years until I finally got my own scooter. Yeah. What what time was this? What what year was this, do you think? So that was around like uh, 2005 is when I actually got my first scooter. But when I actually picked it up was like 2003. Oh, gotcha. How so old are you now? Early. So I'm 25 now. 25? Nice. Yeah. So you've been, you've been around in the game for a while, so... Yeah, cool. yeah. All the razor days and stuff when there was like nothing but razor scooters that you could buy. Yeah, those were such a cool time that I never really got to experience. I mean, I definitely rode A models when I was young, but not to the extent of like actually like trying to do tricks and stuff like that. But um, where did you go to school? Um, w- did your friends kind of get you into it? I think that's what you said, right? You know, so uh, I went to like Durand area schools like most of my life, like elementary, and then middle school came and I switched schools to Karana. And that's when I ran into like a group of skateboarders. So I never really had like any scooter riders growing up except for my neighbor, but then he ended up quitting. And so I hung out with skaters most of the time and I really think they influenced a lot of my riding also. Yeah. How did you go about getting into scootering and staying in scootering when you were the only one that did it? You know, just... um. Just having friends that were just passionate about action sports and going to the skate park and stuff and, and wanting to ride street spots. You know, I feel like starting out, we rode a lot of street spots. And, yeah. And that was like where it all started. And then we started riding the skate park like every day. Yeah. When did you start taking scootering kind of like seriously? Um, I took it seriously after I got my first scooter at the age of 10. Okay. And then for months, I worked on doing a tail whip for the first time. And then when I finally got it, it was like the middle of winter in my basement with like six foot ceilings. And I remember I was so stoked on my first tail whip. Like when I landed it, I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to wear these exact same clothes and everything. Like, like I thought like everything had to be perfect to get that tail whip again. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, that was such a big moment for me. And I remember like being super proud of myself and like learning something about self-respect at such a young age. Yeah. And that's really where it took off right there. And I knew I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so you're just going to try to ride your scooter as long as you can? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll ride it until my body gives out. Hopefully that ain't anytime soon. Yeah. So I'm just trying to stay in it and stuff and, uh, you know, keep myself healthy, working out, making sure that, um, you know, I'm, I'm fixing those muscle imbalances when they come about so I can keep myself going. 
Yeah, I uh, I saw that you just hurt your knee again. Yeah. For how how many how long have you been dealing with that knee? You know, so when I first tore it, it was because I was snowboarding out in Colorado for the first time, and about a weekend, uh, I just was going too fast on a, on a board I just bought. Didn't even bother adjusting anything. Was just excited to send it. And uh, was going really fast on it, trying to see what that board was all about. And then I caught an edge and uh, tore my MCL right there. Oh, no. Was that like, like right away, like first run or what? Yeah, it was literally the first run oh, with no. that new board. Yep, that it got me. That's the worst. And, yeah, and I went from like a 146 centimeter to like a 154. Like it was a pretty big jump. And uh, yeah, unfortunately wrecked it then. And then um, I thought it healed out from then on out, but then I tried a 360 backflip to the resi and accidentally spun a 540 and twisted my knee right there. And it so, flared up again? Yeah, and then it flared up again and I've had problems with it ever since. Is that, was that recently? So yeah, that was like um, four weeks ago. Oh, okay. So was, that was at camp then? Yep, and then just the most recent one, I was skating on the chin ramp and... Uh, Went to go step off the board, and so I stepped right back on it and just did the splits. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so there goes the next MCL tear right yeah. there, you know. But, yeah, I plan on going home and doing, like, a full rehab on the off season and just nice. trying to get back to riding as soon as possible. Did you snowboard back in Michigan before you snowboarded in Colorado? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, one of the Vail Resorts was owned by, like, my local – well, Vail Resorts owned one of my local resorts – and so I got a job there, and I snowboarded there for, like, three years until uh, I moved on to another yeah. Woodward. <laughs> yeah. No, um, for sure. The um, How did you get in with Vail Resorts, and did you snowboard young, or did you, like, get into it while, while you were older? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, so uh, I got into it when I was older. I had, like, just came back from my first, like, scooter camp. And um, unfortunately, I had broke my leg my first year at scooter camp. So yeah. I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to do the snowboarding job. Yeah. But I tried out anyway, and they accepted me. And then I was there for like three years, and I got like all these certifications and stuff. So it allowed me to work out west in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Because that was like the main goal. For sure. Where do you kind of see yourself living, I guess, in the future? Man, I don't know. Honestly, Cali's been an awesome vibe. I really like it out here, but Colorado is super sick too. And, you know, I like Michigan as well. So yeah. it, it's hard to pick one place. Honestly, I would love to do van life so I could just explore a little bit more before I finally settle down. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, I know you're really opinionated on Instagram and you do a lot of like, comments and stuff. Um, I kind of want to get your opinions on a couple questions. First off, like scootering in the Olympics what do you think about that situation? Do you think it should happen or not? You know, I think it's a good thing. Like anything to help expand our industry is always going to be a great thing. Yeah. Like we just want to keep growing and stuff and see where it goes. Cause the last thing we want to happen is be like in line where we just fade out. Yeah. And I don't see true. that happening with a scooter and so much fun. Anybody that skateboards in BMX, if you can get them on a scooter to just try a tail whip, they'll be trying it for the next 20 minutes, you know, yeah. enjoying themselves. They'll forget about everything and just focus on that. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. I think that act, actually, like, as I've grown up, I've seen action sports be, like, a little bit more, you can, like, go to different sports. You can kind of, like, be fluid within them. Like, I can see, like, mm. I like riding a skateboard. If I get a skateboard, I like riding a BMX bike. If I have a BMX bike, and, like, all of them help you with wheels. Yeah. So, like, if everybody can kind of do a little bit of everything, it, it helps. And bringing more attention to our sport would definitely help, especially with skateboarding and now BMX being in the Olympics. I think we just, we have the next spot, like... 
Yeah, and I mean, I'd like to see the progression of tricks go up. Like, I still feel like we're at the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. You know, I feel like triple brise is going to be a standard trick in the future. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, there's there's people throwing down crazy stuff, which is insane. And it's just like, there's a lot more innovation in our sport because it's so young compared to the other sports like um, skateboarding and BMX, which have, have kind of, they're having a hard time creating new tricks and having more progression and more because it's just like they've been around longer. So they've like done a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And we haven't even like pushed scooter in as far as we possibly could. Like I'm talking about making them and stuff. Like we haven't even had a yeah. complete titanium scooter, like a legit aerodynamic one. Yeah. You know, not like what they have in like BMX, you know? Yeah, no, because they, uh, what they've been working on with like mountain bikes and stuff is insane. Yeah. The technology it's crazy. In those. So, so we have a long way to go in that way. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve in scootering? Probably kids that ride ski. Really? <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of the ski riding. I yeah. just think it kind of looks terrible. You're also like setting yourself up to tweak your ankles when you go for a hard landing. Yeah. And the thing with ski is like, it just, it really limits you. Cause like, if you can only do a tail whip from ski, then you're yeah. going to have a problem when you're doing a manual and you can't tail whip out because you got to be in ski, you know, or like whip Manny and you have to land back in the ski. Yeah. Like there's just too many, too many variables of why it ain't that great. Yeah, for sure. Ski is, ski is one of those things that we try to get kids out of. Um, I think, I don't know how I stand on it. Like I'm always like, oh, they're, I think that somebody's like a beginner if I see him riding ski. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're definitely like just starting out like, oh, they haven't figured it out yet. But getting in them in that right stance is really important. Yeah. And like I've seen kids like try to push riding from ski and I just see them getting limited. Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to rotational tricks. Like I, I remember a dude, he could do like amazing tuck no handers and stuff. And he rode a bunch of ski and would do like 360 tuck no handers and stuff. Yeah. But it's like he wasn't doing like multiple whips or bry flips or any combos really. Yeah. Because I think no. it was limited him. Yeah, for sure. And especially early in our sport, a lot of the people that kind of grew up riding, I see a lot of like dick footedness mm -hmm. where like they'll switch their feet for different tricks. Like they'll ride oh, yeah. backside and then they can only do bry's backside. So they'll switch to switch and then they'll do a switch bry and then they'll land yeah. and switch their feet again, like in a half pipe. It's crazy. See, it, I don't think that's a super bad thing if you're starting out. Yeah. But I think it's definitely something to work your way out of. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Um, any other things that bother you that you see hmm. just while you're at the skate park? Well, I am a really big fan of the hybrid ride. And so yeah. um, if someone's like two street, you know, I like them to like park it up a little bit. And then if they're two park, I like them to, you know, throw a little more street in there. Cause I feel like there's definitely a balance that needs to happen. And it's just like, park is very exhausting and stuff yeah. where like street is very technical and you need like the best of both worlds. Cause there's days that you're going to want to ride street more than park. And then there's other times you're going to want to ride park more than street. If you're feeling the energy and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that like, you really need to have, you need to work on everything. You need to have well-roundedness. I've always like yes. told myself, like I want, no matter what obstacle you put in front of me, I want to be able to throw down on it. Yeah. That's always how I've kind of ridden is with that mindset. Um, what advice do you have for people who are trying to get more of a hybrid style? Definitely, like, when it comes to manuals and stuff, I mean, a lot of that stuff is just all muscle memory. There's really not many tips out there. So it's just, like, it's just repping it out. And especially, like, if you get injured, um, you know, that's a good time to practice that kind of stuff. And then if you're, like, really in the street ride and you're finding it hard to, like, push your park limits, just 
just try to find some transitions and stuff, you know, do some spine, some hips, pr- try to practice airing out of quarters. Like it all helps. It yeah. all adds up and park riding will help with your street riding. Just like street riding will help with your park riding. So they complement each other. Yeah, they totally do. Um, how do you feel about backflips? And Dude, like, I love backflips. Are they, are they an important trick to learn? Do you think they're overrated? How do you feel about them either in comps or just like in general? Like, cause I've always seen them like you kind of have to do them almost for other people so that people like, cause everyone's like, Oh, do a backflip. So they like put you on this pedestal when you can do backflips. And it's like, doesn't make sense because I don't think it's that like hard or technical of a trick. It's just scary. <laughs> I've always said there's two biggest, mo- there's two, your two biggest moments in your scooter career. And that's your first tail up and your first backflip. Yeah. And, uh, I think they're pretty important. I mean, if it's something that you want to do and you want it bad enough, you know, and you're going to feel bad every time you ride, when you see the other kid do a backflip and be like, dang, I know I could do it, but you didn't, Yeah. you know, then definitely go out of your way and try to learn that. I mean, learn it any way you can, like learn it on your feet really well off the scooter and stuff and whatever it takes. Like I, I have practiced a lot of tramp scooting and uh, my first backflips were like on the trampoline and stuff, just trying yeah. to figure out that rotation, the flick and everything. Did that help the tramp scoot? Yeah, I am a big believer in tramp scoot. I just went and invested in one of those like Acon rectangle trampolines. Uh-huh. So then it could help me like get the air to do the tricks that I need. But yeah, I think it helps a lot, especially um, if you're someone that likes to catch your tricks because catching your tricks is the key to consistency. It is. So I run like a ton of different combos on the trampoline and it's nice to just experiment and it's kind of like my science lab of tricks. Yeah, that's very true. I, uh, I haven't ever ridden a tramp scoot to be completely honest with you. And I think that they're really important and I see a lot of pros that use them religiously just yeah. to work on like tricks and being consistent. And I think that's really like a way to go about it. Um, but more on the backflip thing, like how did you go about learning your, your first backflip? So I had, uh, well, actually the very first one I did, I just took it straight to wood. I thought because I could backflip on my feet that I would like over rotate. So I chose this small ramp and I hucked it to wood and it didn't work out very well because a backflip on a scooter is a lot different on your feet. You have a weight connected to your feet and you're also in like a fixed position with your hands and everything. Yeah. So I didn't really, um, make that flip. But I learned it into a foam pit. I was lucky enough that for the little bit of time that we had a foam pit in Michigan, I learned it there. And uh, I just took it right to wood afterwards. And, you know, of course I was scared and stuff, but you just got to practice like that no think mentality and just, you know, just do it. And you just, when you're doing it, you're just improvising. You're just like reacting. Yeah. You're just feeling for it. Whatever comes, you know, you're ready to react to it. Yeah. It's such a weird trick because you like can't think until you're upside down. Yeah, thinking if you think is, before that, you're going to screw it up. Yeah, thinking is what wrecks the trick. It's because the overthinking is what makes people throw their scooter and stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's just like if you just chill and just do it and just don't think about it, it'll happen a lot easier. Did you yes. bring a mattress to the skate park? I did not. You did not? No, I just I just sent it straight to wood. Really? So, Well, that was after I did it into a foam pit. Oh, okay. So, yeah, when, once I figured out I could do the rotation and stuff, then I just sent it to the ramp and... That was a that was a big trick for me. I remember like calling my mom afterwards and be like, I just did my first backflip, you know. Like, yeah. Like that was a huge deal. So whenever I hear kids do their first backflip, it brings back memories, and I know how stoked they are, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's one of those great feelings. One of the reasons we ride to begin with. What have yeah. been some of your biggest accomplishments in scootering? Oh, dude, I would say the flare is probably definitely one of my biggest accomplishments. Yeah. Uh, the thing about that trick is 
See, with every trick I've ever learned, I've been able to imagine it, you know, how it would go down and stuff and then be able to bring it all together. With the flare, I literally could not imagine how it would look. Like I just couldn't picture it in my head how, how I would be like looking in the air or anything. And that trick was really hard for me, but I fought really hard for it. And the thing is about learning that trick at the park that I chose is they didn't have like a nice uh, drop-in ramp to the foam pit. They had like a gnarly vert wall quarter that you oh, had geez. to climb up and down constantly. So it was just like a crazy workout trying to get that done. Yeah. But once I did and I put in the work and stuff, um, that was my biggest accomplishment. And yeah, I flexed that trick pretty hard because... It was definitely like a really hard trick for me to do, and I'm like really proud of it. That, yeah, that's awesome. I know some people that trick really works well, and some people really have to fight for it. So yeah. it's hard to hear. It's nice to hear both sides of the story. Um, what else has been like? What are you looking at for like new tricks for the future? Man, I would love to get a double overhead consistently. Either have you like, landed any? I have. I've landed double bry about three times before one of them was actually in a competition for best trick nice yeah i was really stoked on that um but yeah i'd like to get double inward uh bry umbrella is really my dream trick like to be able to double overhead on a quarter i've just i've seen it done so many times it looks like such a fun trick yeah it it just uh it's it's so hard technically and you have to like boost so high and it, it takes balls and stuff to how do, do you double overheads feel compared to like single overheads Oh, it's way different. Uh, the force of the scooter coming around, uh, sometimes it can actually like throw your body around if you're not careful. So yeah. it definitely helps to have like a light scooter for it, unless you're like Dylan Morrison, you know, yeah, who's just true. really good at it. So he just knows what he's doing. But yeah, that trick is scary because um, it can definitely yank your body right from out of the air and just yeah. like make you body slam if you're not careful. It's It totally can if you like don't get your rotation right, which is insane. And yeah. I saw... Um, I've seen people do double overheads on like big scooters and I just don't understand how it just seems so hard. Yeah, but, it's crazy. Um, I was watching you try those backflip. I think it was backflip bry, wasn't it? Yeah, the backflip bry. And you were, is it just hard to stay straight? Yeah, it is. Uh, the scoot, you know, that's another one. There's so much G-force with that bry coming around. And uh, the illusion of it is that there's two bry flips in the flip. Yeah. So it really like yanks you around when you're trying to come through and I don't know if I'll ever figure that trick out, but I'm willing to keep trying it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, I think you can in the future. It just It seems so yeah. hard to catch. And yeah. If you don't catch it, it brings you through. And that's so one of my dream tricks. I remember uh, Brendan Smith throwing that trick in like one of his edit, like his 11-minute edit or something. Yeah. And I was just like in awe over that trick. It's so crazy. And, and you know, I never see anyone throw that trick. I always no. see like front flip inwards, but never back flip rise. Yeah, I know, because it's so like just weird. Yeah. It's just like even me thinking about it, it's just so weird. It's crazy. It's hard. Um, what scooter are you riding right now? Like what parts and what are your favorite scooter companies? So I've always been a fan of Ethic, even when they were like uh, French ID back in the day. Oh, yeah. So I've, I've been following like the French ID company all the way up until they're like Ethic now. And uh, I, just, I just support them 100% because they just build like light, strong components. And that's like my style of riding. Yeah. So I've always really liked them. And then um, I've always like supported like, you know, companies that try to like come into the industry, but they have like one or two parts, you know, and they're trying to grow. So I remember there was this one part I had. I had this east to west SCS clamp. 
Oh, really? And that was a big deal at that time because they were selling this SES clamp for 40 bucks where like Proto was selling it for like, wow, what does the Proto clamps go for? Like 80, 80 yeah, like bucks 80 or bucks or something. So it was like half price of what the SESs were back in the day. So I remember I bought that SES and then they went out of business and stuff and all they made was the SES. And I had that clamp for seven years. Yeah. It just would not die on me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. SCSs last forever. That's like, there's a couple parts that I never really have to buy. And it's like SCSs and forks. I don't know why. I have like two forks or I probably had three forks that I've ever ridden. Yeah. Which is yeah. wild. I had an old uh, Vert-X fork, which is now uh, Aztec actually. Oh, really? Yeah. And they had a zero offset fork and I rode that fork for seven years and it would not break. And it was like a two and a half pound fork too. Oh, oh, really? Like solid aluminum. Like a, like a block. Yeah. 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 But I love that fork. I just couldn't break it. So I ended up just finally selling it. <laughs> yeah. Just getting rid of it. Yep. Somebody else can use it for sure. What are your, uh, what are your least favorite scooter companies and why? You know, I've never been a fan of Envy. I know I might get some hate on that, but I've always felt like Envy, the only thing they've really gotten better at over the years is their marketing. Oh, yeah. And not really their uh, scooter parts. I feel like they've kind of kept everything pretty much the same, but they just put on gnarlier graphics and stuff. Yeah. And, and that's where their innovation is. Yeah. So that that's probably the only one I'm not really a big fan of. <laughs> and I don't know where Envy's going is the way that I think about it. Because back in the day, I really liked Envy. But now it's like, I don't know if they're trying to become like a Walmart scooter brand or if they're trying to like keep up with ethic and everybody else because they're like making these really like cheaper end scooters that they can sell at like those more those more stores but they're not really trying to build better and bigger scooters on like the pro side yeah. so i like don't know how that how that works um i saw that dom is sponsored by mongoose how do you feel about that you know i'm glad to like see a company like that come into the scooter industry um if they do more than just marketing and actually like try to do some innovation and work with the riders and stuff, then yeah, I could see some good things from them. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to say because Mongoose is kind of like a Walmart company. The second rise of Mongoose. Cause they used <laughs> to be, they used to be like the top innovators in BMX Yeah. before they went into like the Walmart brand side. But now like if they come into scootering and start innovating, I'd be so stoked on it. Mm -hmm. So hopefully they end up doing that. But like having these, outside companies come into the sport it's just like can be a touchy subject sometimes for sure yeah um what also what have you seen in the industry lately that has like that you has caught your eye i guess well i did see that uh north actually came out with a zero offset fork and i'm a big really? fan of the zero offset so i would love to see more companies come out with zero offset forks they were pretty big back in the day when it was like scooter resource and inward scooters was around and stuff yeah and i rode one for like seven years and i really liked it and and you know that's the reason why i ride my fork backwards actually is because yeah. i'm trying to make up for the zero offset fork it's just hard to copy but i i really love them i think they're very balanced they help out with no handers and a lot a lot of the tricks that i do yeah. So why do you like the no offset fork? You know, I, th I always felt it made nose manuals easier. Really? You know, yeah. Maybe that's my own personal preference. Yeah. Where you learned them. So it's mm -hmm. where your balance point is. Yeah. But I don't know. I suck. I'm not that great at nose manuals. I've been working on them a lot. 
Lots so, of practice. Yeah, lots of practice. If anybody's working on like manuals and like five O's and anything like that, it's like you, we can try to coach you, but like you just have to do them repeatedly. Yeah, it's trying to remi- like remember the muscle memory. Oh, it totally is for sure. Yeah. Um, what has your journey been kind of to get where you are today? Like what, what big opportunities have you gotten that have allowed you to be here? Well, definitely getting in the summer camp for the first time was a huge opportunity. My first summer camp was this place called uh, Ohio Dreams. Yeah. And that was pretty much the gateway for where I'm at now. I've heard a lot about Ohio Dreams. I haven't been though. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Um, I didn't feel like they were like the most scooter friendly because unfortunately I was the only scooter staff member there. Really? So yeah, so that was kind of lonely about that. And the rest of the guys were like BMX riders and stuff. And usually the BMX riders are pretty cool, the scooter riders, but these guys were more into the BMX racing and not freestyle. Yeah, I gotcha. So they really didn't understand scootering at all. And, you know, we're kind of biased about it, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. But uh, I learned a lot at that camp. It taught me a lot. And, uh, you know, it made me a good counselor and good instructor. And, you know, made a lot of mistakes there that I learned from. And I'm really glad I did it there and not like, you know, where I would want to be. Yeah, that's very true. Um, What was I going to ask? Oh, I had had a good one. (laughs) Um, Why is it slipping my brain right now? Um, But like... How, how, oh, here it is. How has like scootering and action sports kind of affected like your, your personal life and your mindset outside of riding? Oh, dude, it's affected it a ton. There's really not many things out there that push you out of your comfort zone as much as scootering does. Like in order to make progress, you know, you just got to face your fears. And that's really what scootering is. Like I look at it as just, it's just a tool to help me face my fears and sharpen my mind. Yeah. That's really what it is. It's a workout of its own. It totally mentally. is. Mentally. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's super important to have some sort of mental workout. And I don't know where I'd get that if it wasn't for scootering. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I could really compare to it is maybe martial arts. Yeah. You know, because like you really, there's so much preparation in it and stuff. I mean, when you watch those guys do those big stair sets and they huck that trick, you got to realize the trick that they're doing over that stair set, they've done it hundreds of thousands of times to the point where they're confident enough that they're not going to screw up. Yeah, because every time that somebody sends something, it's because they 100% believe that they can do it. Yeah, yeah, and through the reps and stuff, you know, your confidence will increase. Like, after you do something just 100 times, you just you just know it like the back of your hand. You're comfortable with it. You yeah. Know? What lessons have, like, you learned about life through, like, riding or through, like, meeting people at the skate park? <laughs> Um, well, definitely don't give up. Yeah. You know, if you just stay with it and you just keep coming back and showing up every day and eventually the effort will come along with it, you know, and it, it's taught me a lot about the journey and stuff. Like, uh, you know, like when I learn a trick, like there's no rush to move on and do another trick right away. Like, let's say I just got double tail whips really good. Like there's no need to just rush off and start doing triple whips if I'm still enjoying the double tail whip. Yeah. You know, so just like enjoy the journey and stuff. And if you're just, you're just putting in the hours and you're staying with it, like eventually the progress will come. Yeah, totally will. Yeah. The, uh, you just have to really, yeah, just work on, work at it. Like it's so much about like persistence. 
Yeah, just stay with it. Because, like, literally, I've had the work for everything, including my first bunny hop. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, and I was so far from a natural, it's ridiculous. Like, I had no natural talent in scootering, and I had the work for everything, and I think that's what made me enjoy it that much more, mm-hmm. is the challenge. It's, it's almost like if it's, it comes naturally, it's, like, not that challenging and not that rewarding at the same time. Yeah. Because, like, everything kind of comes a little bit easier. So it's almost more fun if you have to work for something. Because I know tricks that take me four or five hours will feel way better to land than something that took three tries. I'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess I landed that, and then forget about it. So that definitely happens to me. What um, what do you do, like, outside of scootering? Like, what are your hobbies outside of scootering? You know, so I was, uh, I was pretty big into, like, um, fitness and stuff. Yeah. But the whole reason I got into fitness is basically to complement my scooter riding, you know, mm-hmm. keep me going for the long term and, and being able to push for those tricks that are just really, really hard. Yeah. And then uh, when I'm not doing that, I like snowboarding a lot. That's been my new passion. And yeah. there's really nothing that compares to snowboarding. It's just so much fun. Yeah. Something <laughs> about the winter sports is just sliding is just awesome. So yeah. I really enjoy being on the mountain for sure. That's why I do it. More than anything, like most of the things that I do, I, I just like being outside. So anything that I can be outside and do at the same time is, is always been appealing to me. Um, yeah. And, and I assume kind of to you as well. Yeah. And then uh, even on top of that, um, my parents, well, my dad was really big in the like uh, playing guitar and stuff. So he always wanted us to play an instrument. Oh, yeah. So he made me take piano lessons for a good 10 years or so. Piano is awesome. Yeah. Do you so still I, play? No, not really anymore, but I'll bust it out occasionally for, like, uh, his Christmas present. I'll play him some Christmas songs or something, Carol the Bells, who knows. Yeah, that's yeah. sick. Yeah, and he, he absolutely loves that, so. Yeah. Do you kind of take any inspiration from music in your writing, or, like, what do you listen to when you're writing? Um, I really like that, kind of like that club music, so... Something between like that 2005, 2010 area era with like a Justin Timberlake and yeah. Timbaland and and yeah, just that just that music that gets you pumped up and makes you want to dance. That, yeah, like if I can feel the chills coming down my arms off that song, I'm ready to send it. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, I, and that's probably one of my favorite things about riding is the fact that I can take that feeling I get from a song and throw it into my riding, and it just makes riding that much better. Yeah, it totally does. It's just like you take so much power from like the song. Like music has this special thing that it like can totally convince you to do things. It's yeah, weird. Yeah, it does. And especially if you find like a song off like a video that got you pumped up and you're like thinking of that video and you feel like you're in the music video with that yeah. song and stuff. Yeah, that's the hype right there. That's the flow. It totally is. <laughs> what, uh, what advice would you give yourself if you were, if you met yourself at 20? I would have told him, try not to get injured, man. <laughs> yeah. Because injuries put you out for like a long time, you know, like, like if it takes like six months to recover from an injury, that's actually like a whole year in scootering because that's six months you didn't go without riding. So now you got to make up for all that. And then by the time you're making progress again, it's already like six months later. Yeah. So, so you pretty much have to double the time past your injury. What do you do now to try to avoid injury and try to um, boost your recovery? You know, so uh, I watch a lot of, like, YouTube guys and stuff. Like, I like, like, the Athlean X channel and the Knees Over Toes guy. And I just try to take their advice to heart and just try to be really disciplined and doing it, like, every day, you know. And, yeah. 
and really just like doing my morning routines, my night routines, and uh, definitely like if if I notice a muscle imbalance, I'm trying to work on it, you know, because I know that will help prevent injury, and that's really yeah. all I can do for the most part. Yeah, I was talking to a guy. What's his name? I think it's Sean. I think his name was Sean, but he was the CBD action sports guy for Pirkana, and he was talking a lot about recovery and how action sports doesn't have like a recovery sponsorship because no. like recovery is so important. So he's trying to kind of bring that into action sports, which I thought was really cool. And I haven't really thought that much about CBD for mm -hmm. recovery, but apparently it does great things and I should probably start trying it. And I've noticed, especially here, getting injured sucks and it happens doing dumb things. Yeah. So like, it's yep. just like trying to stay healthy is so important. And like another way I try to prevent injury is uh, ride and switch and doing oppo tricks and stuff because, you know, more than likely you've got a muscle imbalance from Bri flipping on the same side for too many years. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, so start true. practicing them oppo bries. You probably never found a reason to do it and now you did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, keeping everything kind of in balance. Yes. That is really hard. That's a good point. I, I haven't even thought about that actually. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it's like you're never going to do this. So, like, your shoulder on this side is like... Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, and then those muscles are getting tight on that one side, and they're pulling on the other muscles, which is putting strain. Which is, like, strain. twisting you. Yep, and it's putting on the strain and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's... Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Okay. Um, what is kind of your meaning of life? This is a hard one. Yeah, you know... To me, it's all about potential. Yeah. Like, I'm so curious what my potential is. That That's why I just can't quit riding. Like, I got to know what it is. Like, I would hate to quit and be like, yeah, but what if my potential was, you know, this amazing rider? The rider I got pictured in my head, you know, thinking of him right now. Yeah. Like, what if that was my potential and I didn't live up to it, you know? Yeah. And so, like... That's what really keeps me going is that curiosity of my potential. Like, if I'm capable of doing it, I want to know. You want to, like, try and see if you can do it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, like, another thing that's always got me thinking, Um, so I follow, like, David Goggins, too. Yeah. Which some people might hear about. And uh, I read his book and everything, and one of the, he ended his book by saying, he's like, what if, so I'm, I'm not religious at all, but he's saying a what-if scenario. If you go up to heaven and you get up there, and you're, you're next in line, you pull up, and, and God's showing you everything that you could have done, but you didn't. He's like, how would that make you feel? <laughs> and I was like, dude, like that would be like, like I'd be feeling regret. Yeah. Like that I, that I didn't live up to it. You know, like what if, what if I could have climbed Mount Everest like five times, you know? Yeah. And you just didn't. Yeah, exactly. And I just didn't, like I didn't live up to that potential. Instead, I decided to play Fortnite. Yeah. That's so, Yeah. That's so true. That's kind of how I think about it too. It's like we're put on this earth, like you can do whatever you want if you put your mind to it. The only thing yeah. that's holding you back is like, well, physical ability and mostly your head, your head, mm -hmm. like not trying stuff. Most of the things that you're not going to do are not because you're going to try them and fail. It's because you're not going to try them. Yeah. You know, and it's like, just think like, what if you actually put all your time and the effort in one thing? How good could you get at it? Yeah. You know, would you, would you be as amazing as you think you would be? Let's find out. Yeah. Why don't you find out instead of just yeah, sitting there and saying, just oh, I'd be really good it. at that if I did it for 10 years. Yeah. It's don't like, don't do just it for talk 10 years. about it. Do it. Yeah. You have Life plenty is of time. Short. 
you know, and, and we're all just like, we're all just one speck out of the 7 billion people here. Yeah. You know, so your life ain't like that important, but it is super important. Yeah. You know, at the same time. And it's just like, how, how are you spending that, that one life that you get? Are you living up to like everything you possibly could do? You know, are you exploring the whole open world map? Are you experiencing all the feelings that are out there? Everything that can be experienced in a short amount of time? What, what bucket list things do you have left to do? You know, I'd love to get the double backflip as a bucket list trick. Yeah. For sure. I just want to huck it around once. Um, definitely some snowboard bucket list tricks, like hopping out of a helicopter. Well, I'm not even talking you know. like bucket list <laughs> tricks. I'm talking like, I'm talking like life things. Like life goals. Uh, I feel like I've already done a lot of them, you know? Like yeah. Doing the summer camps was definitely a bucket list. Yeah, for and me too. it's like, I'm doing it already, so... But I feel like, I don't know, now that I'm, like, doing it, now it's just the journey for me, and I don't yeah. really know where it's going to go, but I'm expecting great things. <laughs> just taking all those opportunities that you can get? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's pretty much all I had for you today. Thank you so much, Taylor, for coming on. Where can we follow you? Yeah, so you can follow my Instagram, uh, Taki Talon, Taki underscore Talon. That's one more question I have for you. Where did Taki come from? Yeah, so Taki is a name I got from Woodward, PA. Okay. And uh, there's this dude named Izzy Callahan, and he was, like, doing a YouTube channel there. And I was just, like, real hungry one day, and a kid gave me a bag of Takis. And I, like, grabbed them, and I just went, like, crazy. Like, I was, like, marking my face like I was an Indian with them and stuff. And, and I was eating them like uh, like I was some kid hyped up on sugar. And I was like, yeah. Taki, like, And I don't know. They started calling me Taki Talon after that, and it just kind of stuck. And I, I like the ring of the name, so I made my Instagram it. And, and now you're just Taki. Yeah, now I'm just Taki, you know. So, <laughs> so, so it's good. been good. Yeah, and I do like Takis. So. Yeah. It's been awesome. So it works because then people bring you Takis. Yeah, and that was like my first time ever having Takis too. So <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, yep, loved it. <laughs> hey, Taki, sponsor him. Mm-hmm. Sponsor me, Taki. Taki USA. Yeah, Everyone Taki. go to their Instagram and tag my name. Yeah, go to their Instagram <laughs> and tag Taki Taylor. Taki Taylor. Maybe you can get a lifetime of Takis. <laughs> That'd be great. You know, I'd, be, I'd just be handing them out all the time. So Yeah, anywhere else that we can follow you or just your Instagram? Uh, yeah, just basically my Instagram. I mean, I had a YouTube channel, but kind of embarrassing because it yeah. wasn't like any quality content. Uh, I tried doing a bunch of tutorials on there and stuff. Gotcha. I don't even know the name of that channel. I think it was yeah. like Freestyle Mentor or something if anyone wants to check it out. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so Sweet. Yeah, just a, just a project I started and never really kept going because I didn't really enjoy it that much. Yeah. Well, thank you you so much for taking some time out to come talk to me today. It's been awesome. Thank you guys for listening. If uh, you guys are on YouTube, like and subscribe. That'd be awesome. And if you're on Apple Music, hit those five stars down below and leave a comment on if you're enjoying the podcast and who you'd like to see or what you'd like to see in the future. Um, I'm always trying to improve. So any any guidance would definitely be of assistance to me. Um, Thank you guys again. Have a great evening, morning, afternoon, whatever time it is for you. And I will see you guys in the next one. Thank you.